Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. Hey guys, I want to take a moment before we dig into God's Word to wish all the dads a happy Father's Day. Dads and and father figures, your role is extremely important, and I need you to know this. As a father myself, let me challenge us to think this way. It's so important for us men to not only be baby daddies, but to be fathers. There's a difference. God designed the family unit. That's His invention. We don't get to switch it up, change it, or manipulate it. Men, he's uniquely wired us and given us responsibility in and over our homes. We're called by God to step up to the plate. Additionally, I have an extra call to the men of this church. Now listen, if you're visiting today, this isn't for you, but it is a call for the men of this church. If you call Swerve Home, I have an additional challenge for you. The challenge is that we must be father figures and role models for the children in our church and those that are yet to come. Listen to me carefully. I need you to be that for my kids, and I especially need you to be that for the kids in our church family that don't have father figures or godly dads in their lives. After all, the church is a family, and the presence of strong, godly, gentle, loving dads has never been more necessary. Certainly in our church, but especially in our community. And I don't think I need to go into all the stats of the impact fatherlessness has on a community. So men, here's a call to step up to the plate. The ladies get a bouquet of flowers for Mother's Day. Fellas, you get a kick in the pants. All right, but we're soldiers, so we take the charge and we keep marching. Today we're beginning chapter three of Philippians. Are you guys excited? Because we've crossed the halfway point. Congratulations, you should be proud of yourself. Well, in the verses to come, Paul is going to explain to us the marks of a person who follows Christ. In other words, how do you know if someone is a follower of Christ? There are evidences of that, and he's gonna go into detail. But today, we're going to sink our teeth into just one verse. And that's verse one of chapter three. All right, so if you guys are ready, let's read it. Here's what it says. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this, it's no trouble for me and It is a safeguard for you. So I've got three thoughts based on this passage, and it's all saturated with the gospel. Because he says to rejoice in the Lord. What do we rejoice about? It's the gospel. He says he's writing about this again. What is he writing again about? It's the gospel. So the first thought is this, and you can write this down. Number one, we must be about the gospel. Paul writes to rejoice in the Lord, which is to rejoice in the provision made by God through Christ. We rejoice because awful sinners have been redeemed and made new through Christ. That's the provision of God. That's the good news that we have, that we celebrate, that we hope in, that we rejoice with. He calls the readers of the letter brothers and sisters. The only way that we're made brothers and sisters is through the gospel. It's because of what Jesus has done that we're welcomed into the family of God. We're made brothers and sisters. What does this mean for us? It means that the foundation of our church 
has to be the gospel message. Guys, it's all about Jesus. It's like the time that Jesus approached his disciples and he asked them the question, who do people say I am? By the way, that's the only thing that matters. Who is Jesus? Is he a, a good prophet? Is he a really nice guy? Was he an amazing teacher or speaker or TED Talk giver? Was he just a miracle worker? Who is Jesus? This honestly is the only thing that matters even for you today. Who is Jesus? Is he who he claimed to be? Because the answer to that question absolutely changes everything. And so the disciples give their answer about the rumors that people are spreading about who Jesus is. But then Jesus turns his focus on his disciples. And he turns to them. He turns the question on them. And he says, but who do you say that I am? Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I imagine the you know, at this moment, the disciples are looking at each other like, you know, you talk first. No, you talk first. Or, or maybe even just staring back at Jesus with like a blank stare, you know, until one guy broke the silence. And Matthew 16 tells us this. Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I also say to you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus declared that the gospel, that Jesus is the son of the living God to take away the sins of the world, that that, that, that would be the rock on which the church was founded upon. The truth that Jesus lived, died, and that he rose again for the sins of the world and for the redemption of mankind. That's good news. That's the gospel. And that's the rock that the church is founded upon. And so that must be what we're founded upon. We have to be about the gospel, saturated in the gospel, speaking and preaching the gospel, living out the gospel. So I need you guys to hold me accountable to that. Make sure that every time we open the Bible, it's to declare the gospel. Not just three steps to a prosperous life. Not five ways to get noticed at work. Not how to have a pain-free life. But that instead, we're focused on the gospel. Hold me accountable to sharing the good news. That's what gospel means. It means good news. Not to simply focus on where we fall short. That's important. All right? We need to understand that. If you don't realize there's bad news, you won't acknowledge the need for good news. But to be about the gospel is to share the hope of the gospel, that there is love, that there is mercy, that there's forgiveness, that there's grace. We also share the implications of the gospel. The gospel is deep. The gospel is extremely profound. It's not just the spoken word, but within the gospel, there's real ramifications to this life. The gospel impacts how we live, what we say, what we do, where we go, who we're with, who we marry, who we date, how we parent our children, our very identity. The implications of the gospel are deep. It's the same thing when we do ministry. To be about the gospel means that our ministry or the serving of others is informed by the gospel. It is empowered by the gospel. We want to get the good news of Jesus out. We want to live out the implications of the gospel in and through our lives, but also that we want our neighbors to see the power of the gospel made alive through us. The second thought is this. Number two, you can write this down. We must be reminded of the gospel. Paul says, in addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. 
Now, most scholars believe that he's building on the fact that he shared the gospel with them on multiple occasions before his arrest in person, no doubt. But he's also building on the implications of the gospel that he's listed so far in his letter to the Philippians. He says, I don't mind reminding you of this. Why doesn't he mind? First of all, because it's that important. The gospel has to be first and forefront. It has to be the most important thing for us as followers of Jesus. And secondly, he doesn't mind bringing up the gospel again because he knows that we have the tendency to forget. We are super forgetful, especially about things that matter the most. People remember how many championships the Yankees have, uh, the distance from the earth to the moon, how many licks it takes to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop, but we forget the gospel. What, what do I mean by that? Not that we literally forget who Jesus is or what he did, but we forget why it matters. And it's most demonstrated by how we live our lives. We make other lesser things a priority. We're tempted to lose hope and we're disheartened by situations. We forget the gospel. That's why every Sunday, this is what we preach and teach. We preach and teach the gospel. Danny, don't you think that we need to learn something new, something different? No, I don't. We need the gospel. Everything else that we learn or, or grapple with from the scriptures is built upon this. Everything else that we examine and we look into is founded upon the gospel, who Jesus is, and what he did. And we are tempted daily, almost minute by minute, to make life about everything and anything else other than the gospel. This week, more than likely, you were tempted to forget the gospel. You are tempted to make a decision apart from being informed, instructed, and guided by the gospel. You are tempted to walk in your day apart from being shaped, empowered, and encouraged by the gospel. You are tempted to lose hope in, in, a, in a given situation because you forgot the hope of the gospel. You put your hope in a person. You depended on yourself, on your skill, on your ability, only to be let down because only the gospel can withhold that weight. It reminds me of something that we mention every week at Swerve. I don't know if you've caught it. Uh, if uh, the, the moment before Christ would be led to the cross to atone for the sins of the world, this fascinating interaction happens with Jesus and his friends. He sits down to have the Passover dinner with his disciples, and then this happens. And Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. As Jesus broke the bread and passed the wine, he mentioned the symbolism of his body and blood broken and shed for the forgiveness of sin. In other words, he shows them the gospel in this symbolic fashion. And he said to do this in remembrance of him, to remember him in this way. Why? Why did Jesus tell them to do this in remembrance of me? Maybe it's because Jesus knew how quickly the disciples would forget. In fact, that would be demonstrated by the responses to the trial and murder of Jesus and the chapters to follow. The very people that Jesus did life with and spent the most time with, even they would still forget. Even they would experience memory loss on the gospel. Are we any less susceptible to forget? By the way, communion is the sacrament that we use within our gathering to remember Christ and to remember the gospel. We do it every week as, as Swerve. But Jesus wasn't mentioning the sacrament of communion when he told them to remember him. 
It's what we do to help us remember. But he was talking about remembering him in the everyday and mundane tasks. Even things like eating and drinking, getting together with friends, on your way to school, when you swipe your metro card, and when you tie your shoes. But we forget, which is why we must be reminded of the gospel. What's the application for you today? Here's your reminder. Here's your reminder to not make it about you or about your circumstances or about your career, about your family or about anything else. Here's your reminder to make it about the gospel. Lastly, the third thought around today's verse is this number three. You can write this down. We must preach the gospel to one another. Paul says, in addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me, and it's a safeguard for you. This is when we remind each other of the gospel. You see, guys, the preaching of the gospel isn't just for the guy on the stage on a Sunday. It's not just for pastors, leaders, or Christian influencers. The gospel is tangible and accessible to all. So this is the responsibility that we all have towards one another. Do you view yourself as a communicator of the gospel? Why not? For the past two weeks, I've been challenging all of you to see yourselves as leaders called by God to lead at home, in, a, in school, at work, and on the block. And now I'm calling you to see yourself as a gospel preacher, to see yourself as a gospel communicator, to see yourself as one who speaks and reminds others of the gospel. Listen to me, guys. You have the responsibility to preach the gospel to me. Yep, me, the, the pastor of Swerve Church. You need to preach the gospel to me. I need the reminder of the good news. I need the call to turn back to who Jesus is and what he's done. I need you to bring out the hope in hopeless situations through the gospel. And we need to be this for one another. We preach the gospel to one another in celebration. We acknowledge that it is Christ who sustained us, who's gifted us, who's upheld us to help us persevere and triumph. We preach the gospel in suffering. We recognize, sympathize, and yes, even rejoice in suffering because we acknowledge the suffering servant Jesus, who too endured suffering so that we might be forgiven, made new, and so that one day we might be in the presence of God away from suffering. We preach the gospel in mourning, we hurt, we cry, we miss those that we loved and held so dear, but we mourn with hope because the gospel declares victory over death. And we know that for those in Christ, the sting of death, the victory of the grave fall incredibly short before the eternity that is promised in Christ. So we preach the gospel to one another. And today, I preach the gospel to you. The good news begins with bad news. And that is that we are incredibly wicked, and sinful. And before a holy and righteous God, what we merit is, is His just wrath. Apart from intervention from God, apart from the gospel, you are heading for death, destruction, judgment, and wrath. But the good news is that God so loved you and me that the Creator enters His creation in the person and work of Christ. Good news walked among us, endured pain and suffering, but lived a sinless life allowing him to be the perfect sacrifice to atone for our sin. And Jesus is unjustly led to the cross. He's beaten and bruised for our transgression, a crown of thorns impaled on his head, nails driven through his hands and feet, a spear pierced through his side. And the perfect sinless lamb of God dies in the place of his creation. 
But good news does not end in death. Good news enters in through Christ's victory over the grave. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, granting us forgiveness of sin, newness of life, a new identity, a renewed sense of purpose, and our eternities are secured in the presence of our Heavenly Father. And the good news is that there's no hoops to jump through. There's no red tape to cut across. Salvation, hope, forgiveness, love is available to anyone and everyone who would call upon the name of Jesus. And if you're here today and you've yet to make that decision, good news is available to you today. And what a special Father's Day it would be to accept the gift given by our Heavenly Father, the grace of God through Jesus. All you need to do is put your trust in Jesus. God, I just pray, Father, that we might be about the gospel. Help us to preach and teach the gospel. Help us to be saturated in the gospel in speech and deed. Help us to minister and serve our neighbors from and through the gospel, that our neighbors may see and experience the gospel in and through us. Lord, we are prone to wander. We are prone to forget. So God, I pray you would remind us today of the gospel. Give us daily, moment-by-moment reminders. And may your Holy Spirit bring to constant memory the beauty and majesty of the gospel. God, would you empower us to preach the gospel to one another, to help us remind each other, whether it's in celebration, whether it's in suffering, whether it's in mourning. Help us to make it all about you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?